About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man led us, having never learned? My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why do you go back to kill me? People answered and said, You're demon-possessed. You've got a devil. Who goes about to kill you? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, I am mad at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day. Judge not according to the appearance, judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers indeed know that this is the very Christ? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never the unchanging word is in John chapter 7, beginning at verse 14 for our study, and we do welcome you. As John writes in this passage, Jesus had now left Galilee and had come to Jerusalem privately. But now it's the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, and Jesus goes up into the temple and begins teaching. Well, Dr. Mitchell shows us how Jesus, who was thought of by the people as just a common man, wondered how he had been educated in the things of God, having never been trained in rabbinical teaching. Well, Jesus' teaching came from God himself. Dr. Mitchell points out that the whole mind, will, and emotions are involved in knowing God's will and doing it. God's will for you and me is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with our whole heart, soul, and spirit and we shall know God and his teaching. Well, let's turn to God's word. John chapter 7, verse 14 with Dr. Mitchell. We again come to you with studies in the gospel through John. I sincerely hope, and I say this nearly every time, I guess, I hope you're reading and rereading the book, reading the chapters, especially those which we are studying together. For we're dealing with one of the greatest portions of scripture between chapters 5 and 8, of the gospel through John. Here you have the great claims of Christ as to his deity. And when we come to chapter 7, we're dealing with Christ, the heavenly one. He came from heaven. His message is from heaven. He's going back to heaven. He's going to send the Holy Spirit from heaven. This is what you have in chapter 7. Now, in our last lesson, we were dealing with Christ and his brethren. And we found that it was a feast of tabernacles. It's the feast, the one feast of eight days, and it looked forward to the fulfillment of that 
in the kingdom period when every man would sit under his own vine and fig tree. The great question raised is, will Jesus go up to the feast? And we were making this statement in our last lesson that his brethren, that is, these were his, those of his earthly family, the family of Joseph and Mary, even though they had, he had lived with them till he was 30 years of age, they did not understand who he was or what he was or his purpose. They were ignorant of this. They did not believe on him as you have it here in verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe on him. To me, it's an amazing thing that they were with him all these years and yet never understood him. In fact, I one would all surprise that the Lord uh, walked much alone in the family because of who he is and because of what he did. Again, I want to repeat the statement, a person can live in a Christian family all his life, enjoy the benefits of Christianity, and yet not know the Savior. Sad thing, but this is true. Uh, works, ceremonies, being religious doesn't make you a Christian. Christian is one who has come into right relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing they didn't know was they didn't know the religious world to which they belonged. And I'm sure that's true today in America. I think great many people do not know the religious world, which has no place for the Savior. No place for the Savior. When you and I begin to stand out for the person of Christ, that he's the only way to the Father, you're going to find some opposition. When you think of all the cults and all the doctrines and all the isms and all the churches we have in America, we're a very, very religious people. But how many really, really know the Savior? I'm concerned about this because, my friend, your relationship to Jesus Christ will determine your eternal destiny. To have Christ means to have life. Not to have Christ means eternal night. The difference between life and death is Christ. The difference between heaven and hell is Christ. And your relationship to the Savior will determine that. Not your badness, not your goodness. Not your religious feelings, or whether you're irreligious or indifferent. What place does Christ have? Is he the object of your faith? You say, yes, he is. Then I ask you as a Christian, has he become the object of your devotion? That's Christian living. And you're not saved by your Christian living. You're saved by your relationship to the Savior. That's where you get life. The enjoyment of life, that the enjoyment of spiritual life is fellowship with God himself through Jesus Christ. Now, from verses 10 to 13, and we took it up, the perplexity of the people, the, the leaders feared the people, and the people feared their leaders. They were theological gypsies running hither and yon. They didn't know what to believe. They were perplexed. When you come to verse 43, there was a division because of him. Now, starting in at verse 14, and running right through verse 39, we have our Lord's claims in this passage. Allow me to give you the overview of it. He claims that his message is from heaven. He claims that he came from heaven. He claims he's going back to heaven. And then he claimed that he's going to send the Holy Spirit from heaven. He's the heavenly one. That's why I call this chapter Christ the Heavenly One. Now, first of all, his message is from heaven. Verses 14 to 24. His message is from heaven. 
About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Why, this man has never gone to school. Where did he get all this knowledge? How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Mark the Lord's answer. My doctrine, my teaching is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Now mark what he's saying here. Didn't Moses give you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why do you go about to kill me? People answered and said, You're demon-possessed. You've got a devil. Who goes about to kill you? Moses gave unto you circumcision. Oh, pardon me, verse 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, I am mad at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day. That's this man in chapter 5, the man who was 38 years infirmed. Judge not according to the appearance, judge righteous judgment. Then said some of the, them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But, lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers indeed know that this is the very Christ? Let me just stop here. May I just stop here? Here you have our Lord claiming that his message was from heaven. He claimed his authority from heaven. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now, it must have been a real, real experience for these Jews. Here comes Jesus of Nazareth, known as the carpenter. He hadn't gone to the schools. He was a man who knew how to use a hammer and wield a saw, saw and cut wood, build homes, whatever it may be. Joseph the carpenter. He worked with his hands. He knew men and knew women. Where in the world does he get his doctrine from? He hasn't gone to school yet. He hasn't sat on a Gamaliel. He's not one of the rabbis in the sense that he sat under the rabbis. Where did he get all this? Our Lord's answer is, my teaching, my message is from heaven. Look at it. My doctrine, my teaching is not mine, but it's his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the teaching whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh the glory of God that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. We just stop here, may I, for a moment? You see, he's talking about a matter of the heart and the will. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Do you remember in chapter 6? He challenged them, you remember, in chapter 6, when they said, 
What must we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. I say again, it's a matter of the heart and the will. If I may, if I may do this, in Thessalonians chapter 1, the fifth verse, Paul says, Our gospel came not to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, with much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The mind is involved. The will is involved. Your affections are involved. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know. Experiential. He shall know of the doctrine, of the teaching, whether it's of God, whether I speak of myself. I, I want to just stop you for a moment. If any man will do his will, God's will, he shall know the doctrine. What is God's will? Chapter 6. This is the will of God, that you should believe on him whom he has sent. Verse 29, chapter 6. This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. What does God want men to do today? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you mean business? Now I said a moment ago, your mind is involved. You see, with our minds, we see the truth. Here I'm talking to you. I'm trying to communicate to you the word of God. And so I appeal to your mind. But now after hearing the truth of the word of God concerning Jesus Christ, now you're faced with your will. What will you do with this Jesus of whom the word of God speaks? So your, with your mind, you see the truth. With your will, you must do something about the truth. Now, if you accept the Savior, your, your emotions become involved. I'm not opposed to emotions. But see, friend, if you have your will and your emotions involved without your mind, you're going to go off the deep end. It takes the three things. The Word of God comes to your mind. That's how we see the truth. And then I must do something with the one of whom the truth speaks, Jesus Christ. And if I accept him, then I have peace with God. My emotions become involved. If I reject him and continue to reject him, then I become, in my emotional life, opposed to the things of God. I have no peace. I have no rest. This involves my emotions. You see, God has made us this way. Now, let me give a word of warning. Here, for example, is a person who comes, is a sinner, and he accepts the Savior. He has a certain experience. Now, the danger is he wants everybody to have the same experience. But you see, we're not all, all alike emotionally. So one has one kind of an experience, another has another kind of experience according to who you are. But yeah, the first two things are must be, your mind must be involved and your will must be involved. And Jesus here is saying, if a man wills to do his will, if you really mean business, you shall know. You shall know. And I want to tell you, my friend, it's true. I challenge you. If you've never accepted Savior and you really mean business with God, he says, he says, if you really will do his will, you shall know. 
And this is not only a mental knowledge, it's an experiential knowledge. That's the marvelous thing. To me, if I may quote again from the epistles, I think it's James who says, draw nigh unto me, says God, and I'll draw nigh unto you. Just like God could say to David in the 27th Psalm, the 8th verse, uh, David, seek ye my face. And David said, Lord, thy face will I seek. Yeah, you mean, here's two in meaning business. God means business. He always means business. But do you mean business? Do I mean business? I want to testify to the fact, and I'm sure of this, that when a person means business and will do the will of God, and this is the will of God, and this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom you sent, and you really put your trust in the Savior, you shall know the teaching. God will lead you into the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You see, my doctrine is not mine. It's my Father who sent me. Verse 18, And he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. I didn't come to seek my own glory. I came to seek the glory of my Father. And there's no unrighteousness in my Father. And when he sent me, I'm giving his message. I'm doing his will. Hence, there is no unrighteousness in me either. This is what Jesus is saying. Did not Moses give you the law? Verse, 20, verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet, now mark the challenge of Jesus. None of you keep it. None of you keep it. What did they say in the preceding chapter? Moses, 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 Moses. They were sticklers for the law of Moses. Okay, says Jesus. Moses gave you the law, but you don't keep it. You don't keep it. So why do you want to kill me? He had read their thinking. He had read their thinking, and they, their answer was, you have a devil, you're demon-possessed. Now notice how far they've come. How far they've come? In chapter 5, you remember in chapter 5, uh, where, they, where he said to them, search the scriptures, and them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. They want to kill him because he had broken the Sabbath day, he had healed this man, he had told the man to take up his bed and walk, and the same day was the Sabbath. This is what he's referring to here. Then sought the Jews to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he claimed to be equal with God. And Jesus here is saying, God gave you, Moses gave you the law, but you don't keep it. Why do you go about to kill me? They said, you're demon-possessed. Who wants to kill you? And Jesus said, I have done one work and you marvel. That's the healing of this man, 38 years infirmed. Now he goes on and he, and he, and he uh, puts him in a box. Listen to what he says. Moses gave you circumcision, not because it's of Moses, but because it's of the fathers. You remember that 
the rite of circumcision was given to Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, where you have the Abrahamic covenant, and circumcision was a sign of the covenant that Abraham had with God. and was passed on down through, uh, through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and so on. Then after they came out of Egypt, they were uncircumcised. Then when the law was given, they were circumcised. So I read here, Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it's of the law, but because of the fathers. And yet you on the Sabbath day will circumcise a man. And if a man on the Sabbath day receive a circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, why are you mad at me because I heal a man, make him whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Let me just stop here in closing today. I want this thing very clear in your mind. If any man will do his will, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the will. You remember in John chapter 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto he that heareth my words, believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. One could go into Corinthians chapter 1, 21, and you follow it on through. Likewise in chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, even the deep things of God. See, friend, spiritual truth is not learned through argument or through assume intellectual persuasion. Truth is imparted by the Spirit of God to open hearts. Notice how they turn on the Savior. They even accuse Jesus when he said, My teaching is from heaven. My Father is the righteous one, and I do his will, and I'm giving you his message. Now you say, I'm demon-possessed. Oh, I tell you, unbelief is a terrible thing. I'm coming right back to it. It's a terrible thing. It started with the leaders opposing Christ because he had healed a man 38 years of age, and he healed him on the Sabbath day. This is chapter 5. And he said to the man, take up your bed and walk. Same day was a Sabbath. And may I say, for the first time in 38 years, this man had real peace. Now his sickness was due to sin. For the Lord Jesus said, go and sin no more. And he brought rest and peace to this man who'd had none for 38 years. And so the Sabbath became a reality in this man, for the Sabbath day is the day of rest and peace. Do you have rest? Do you have peace? Maybe you've been 38, 48, 50 years of your life in sin. Friend, let me tell you, Jesus Christ can heal you of your sin. He can deliver you from sin. Did you know this? Did you know this? What shall I do? This is the work of God, that you believe on Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's chapter 6. Now, 
If any man will do his will, God's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And I'll challenge you that if you mean business with God, God means business with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. It's none of my business. But I know one thing. I know one thing. If there's anything I know, I know one thing. That if a person comes to Jesus Christ with all their sins and all their failures, I don't care what they are, and put their trust in Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, you'll soon know peace, peace with God. You'll enjoy something you've never had before, a rest, a peace that's beyond the understanding of men. And I plead with your heart today to put your trust. Jesus Christ is your own personal Savior. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. He was there. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.